You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as the family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. So there's a lot of God in here. I'll tell you what, I come here and they play the songs that make me cry, and and uh, there's the prophetic's just rich. I know there's prophetic people in here that I don't know how you stay seated. It's kind of like I've got a I don't know how you can just not explode, you know. It's so rich in here and so many people. Ted speaks and he speaks at men's prayer and it's there's so much wisdom. If you need help on anything, please um, tap your neighbor on the shoulder. I'll bet you they have the word of the Lord. This is still not quite right, DJ. It's I don't know if I could live with that for the next 45 minutes. Thank you. I guess I don't need to hear myself so much. but So I worked at General Motors for about nine years, and they had robots. Remember the robots, all the robots, Dale? They had, how many robots did they have? Like, I don't know, 50, 80 robots or whatever. And the robots would, um, they were an amazing thing to watch, the, how they moved and everything, and they would take the blocks or the heads and, set them into the blasters, and um, so they do the machined or whatever in there, and then they pull them out. But every now and then, the robots would, um, they'd get, they'd miss. They'd start uh, grabbing in the wrong spot or something. And so out would come the engineers to reprogram them so they would zero in and get, grab on just right. And I just kind of feel like, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing today with each of us. I see a bunch of robots out there, and we're all doing our job. It's just a wonderful thing, a beautiful thing, what God is doing in each of our lives. I'm going to talk about that, too, just in a moment. But the Holy Spirit's out just tweaking, you know? And like Elaine was prophesying and, and praying that we got, we got to change. Why do we keep carrying stuff when we know we're not supposed to? And so the Holy Spirit's just adjusting, fine-tuning so that we're setting parts in, just and everything's easy. You know, the serving the Lord shouldn't strive, the Bible says. And uh, so I think probably 90% of the reason why we have to come to church is to get fixed a little bit. So we don't, we're not just bearing the burden all the time on our, on our own. Um, but so God's doing that, and he's doing great work in every single person here. It's a holy thing what God is doing in your life on Monday morning at 8 o'clock. It's no, no less holy than coming to church. And every single person in here represents the work and the plan of God. It's a great thing. We, have, we got a little place in Florida. We go down there every now. Um, my wife goes down a little bit more. But we go, down, we go down to Florida, and we'll go down one year, and there's a big empty field. And... Uh, just driving around, no big deal. Next year we go down, it's full of, of condos and houses and uh, convenience stores and gas stations and office complex. And I'm going, what happened in just one year, you know? And the, the construction is unbelievable. What can, you know, and I kind of view as our lives as being under construction, right? And God is doing things. And the people that live down there day by day, I watch, you know, I asked, I tapped my daughter on the shoulder this morning. I said, how much did the Freedom Tower cost to build? It's $3.9 billion. 
And the people that were working on that every day didn't see the changes, but I did when I came, came down every three years or something and looked at it. Wow, this is amazing what happened. And there's huge, wonderful, beautiful, holy things happening in every single one of your lives, and my life too. And it's part of the process coming into coming to church and just surrendering to him, raising our hands and letting him just adjust and tweak and get things so that we're not working so hard at it, you know? This, this doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be difficult. Jesus came and he said, forget the 600 and 700 laws and rules. Let's just love me and love each other. Just do those two things, you know? And it doesn't have to be hard. It's just God wants to make it easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light, the Bible says. So we're going to talk today. I wanted, I wanted to just talk about Joseph. Um, we're kind of in a path here, I guess. Justin said we got up to Joseph. And so they give me the easy stuff. Joseph is like so easy to preach about. Um, but I want to start with Genesis chapter 37. And we're going to put up verses 2 through 19. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'll read um, a good portion of it. And uh, you can read along or close your eyes and just picture the stories. It's, it's a wonderful story. Let me just start reading in chapter two, uh, 37, verse 2. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zil Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel, that was Jacob, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheave arose and stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheave. And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Then, verse 12, his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come and I will send you to them. Now skip down to verse 18. And he, he goes to them. And that when they saw him afar off, verse 18, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see 
what will become of his dreams. Father, we just pray for your Holy Spirit again today, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. Each of us, Lord God, feed us. Lord, help me, Father, to speak your words, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this, the Bible says in Revelation, the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to the churches. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And um, it's a good thing to come to church. I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to church. I know because you're all here. But um, it's just amazing. Remember the old expression, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. You know what? When God speaks, it's an amazing thing. And this is the atmosphere. This is the environment. The church is where God speaks. And it changes us. You know, they say the, they say the, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, the word from God is worth a thousand pictures, right? When he speaks, it changes everything. We sang about, we sang about so much good prophetic juicy stuff. I can't believe, Sherry, you didn't run up and get it. I'm sure you, you held back. Good for you. Good for you. So the, um, Joseph's brothers says they, they were angry at him. They were even more angry. Three times it says that. What are some things that make you angry? Think about it a little bit. I've got a, just a short list. Maybe, maybe you can identify with this. How about being ignored or talked over? Anybody? You don't like that very much. Probably not. How about somebody that gives you advice when you really just need empathy? Right? You, you have a situation, you're like, you're looking for a hug and they, they're going to want to teach you. It's not the time to teach, it's the time to hug, right? So, um, and we all, none of us like animal neglect or animal cruelty. Greg and I were talking about our dogs a few minutes ago and we love our animals, don't we? And uh, so we don't like animal neglect. That makes us angry when we see that, right? Um, how about when somebody critiques your work and they're always at, they're always just watching, waiting for you to, and they want to say something about making an adjustment in your work. That, and, you know, how, I know, um, how many of you are, hate to lose raise your hand nice and high if you hate to lose yes so you know i played cornhole cornhole a couple weeks ago with relatives and um i said you know what i should be able to play this it's, it's just cornhole and if i lose it should be all right because it's just cornhole and I, didn't i lose of course but and i'm like I walked away from it. I don't like this feeling. It makes me angry to lose, you know. I'm one of those kind of, I've, I've fought this all my, my life. I can tell you some stories. I ruined a transmission on a car because of anger. I just, uh, because I lost a tennis match. Crazy stuff. But um, I remember racing out. I, anyways, I don't want to put, put all my dirty laundry out there. But things that make us angry, right? Um, and then the last one is um, when somebody eats the last piece of bacon. <laughs> Does that make you angry? It's, what's that? Yes. Yeah. So God has a list too of things that make him angry. Proverbs 6, 16 through 18, and I, I'm not sure if, I'll let you guys do what you do if it, that's fine. But, um, and I don't have to read it all, but um, he says six things the Lord hate, yea, even seven. I don't know why six to Anyways, he says there's seven things, and it runs from a proud look 
all the way down to somebody that sows discord among the brethren. So there's a whole list of things that God hates too. There's also things that the devil hates. Things that the devil hates. I'm going to talk about this related to the story that we just read with Joseph. He hates, number one, authority. The devil hates authority. We're going to talk about that. The devil hates truth. Truth. And the third thing the devil hates is faith. Those three things. There's more than that, of course, but this is stuff that I pulled out of this, out of this story. First thing, and these are the three lessons, the authority, the truth, and faith. Joseph's family wouldn't accept the fact that he was going to rule over them. They didn't accept it. They didn't want to hear it. It made him mad. They, they hated him. They hated him for it. Um, and we can't be like that. We've got to get a hold of this authority thing and understand our place and accept it. We've got to recognize that. Gamaliel in Acts chapter 5, and I won't keep looking back, but Acts chapter 5, it talk, he talks about Peter and John, how they healed the, the, the beggar or the, the um, crippled person. And I may, maybe I don't even have that right. I should know that. I'm a, I'm a pastor, and I don't even know that. But um, he, they healed somebody, and it got all the Pharisees all upset, all this upset. And Gamaliel says to him, says, you better let this alone. They said, if, it, um, if it's of God, you're going to find out that you're fighting against God. And so this applies to this whole authority thing. Joseph says, you know what? You're going to bow down to me. I am going to be an authority in your life. And it made them so angry that they, since they hated him. They hated him. We got to understand authority. We've got to accept it and find our place and submit. It's very important. David understood it. Saul was attacking him. David understood, I can't fight back. This is God's anointed. Uh, Joseph, even later on, displayed an understanding of authority in Potiphar's house. He said, I, I, he said, my master has given me all this stuff. I've got to take care of it. He, except for you. I can't have you, Mrs. Potiphar. I can't do this. And he understood that, that authority there. He, of course, he knew at the end that he, it would be sin against God, but he, he understood this authority. Um, remember the man who needed his servant healed? And he goes to Jesus, and he says, my servant. Is, and Jesus said, I'll come. He says, don't, Jesus, you don't have to. Because I'm a man like you. I understand authority. I have people that come to me, and I say, he says, I understand this authority concept. Jesus stopped. You know he gauged everybody on their level of faith? That's how he did. He says, you have little faith, you have some faith. He says, I have not sound, found such great faith. And it was like, I, I look at this, and I'm going like, how is this faith? And it really is the concept of, of authority, understanding authority equals great faith. They're tied together. They're tied together. So don't fight against where you are. The Bible talks about us being content, right? And we're placed in a spot. 
find your place and flourish in it. The whole concept of authority is really under attack in our culture, isn't it? Everybody is, you know, we're just, I don't want to get political in any way. This is not, but we're, the police have less and less authority and nobody wants to be told to do anything. Nobody's going to tell me to do anything. I am my own, you know, we've got to, as church members, understand that God sets up one and brings down another. And it's got to be all right. And it should have been all right for Saul. Remember Saul messed up and and Samuel comes to him and says, you're done. You're done. There's somebody else coming. Saul should have responded instead of trying to kill David 22 times. He should have responded with, okay, and just back down. And just sit in the back row of church or something like that. I don't know. But be understand your place. There's great freedom in finding your place and flourishing right where you belong. I don't know. I'm a one-talent guy, maybe sometimes a two-talent guy. I'm not a five-talent guy. I know who I am. Um, worked in industry all my life. I get authority. I, I understand. I've, how many of you have had bosses in your lives that don't know as much as you do or just are there's a number of you. And, you know, yeah, easy, easy. Uh, I think I hit a nerve here, Justin. But, um, you know, uh, God, God put, you know, I found my, in my life, 80% of my, my time in, in uh, industry, I've had bosses who are better than I am that, that are, and you, we, you can see, you know. Uh, but there are those times that God put people in there to work on us. And to test us, right? Um, but we have to pass that test of authority. And Joseph's family couldn't, couldn't do it. So we got to get that right. Humble ourselves. Wherever your place is, do work at it with all your heart as unto the Lord. Accept those that are over you. And um, flourish. Because that's, what, that's what's going to happen when you can understand this whole concept of, of authority. Your faith will be great. Second one is truth. The devil hates truth. He doesn't like authority and he doesn't like truth. Um, Joseph, brought, J- Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. And we read this, we've read this, we've all read this so many year after year saying, look at this. Uh, Joseph shouldn't run his mouth so much. You know what I mean? He should have just, 17-year-old kid, you know, at the time, and he brings a bad report, tattletale or whatever. But I was talking with Chris White yesterday, and we were talking about Jason, Jason Latrey. And, of course, Jason worked for Chris. And Jason used to challenge Chris uh, with integrity stuff. And Chris said, you know what? Coming from Jason, it was okay. Because you knew it was a righteous position that he was taking. It was, there was nothing in it that he was talking down to you. Or it was a pure challenge from the Holy Spirit right through Jason. And I think that's the way we have to look at this when Joseph's talking to his brothers and his family. He's 17-year-old. I think it was an innocent thing. I think he went to him and said, I had a dream. Hey, guess what happened, you know? 
And uh, it was the truth. And it says they hated him. And if you look at people in the Bible who speak truth, Stephen, what they do? They killed him. John the Baptist spoke truth. What they do? They killed him. You know, I was going to name this sermon. It's called Dreamer, Ghost of the Dreamer. I said, I'd rather name it, Shut Up or I'm going to Kill You. But I realized I probably can't do that. I'd even had a hard time getting that out of my mouth right now, Justin, but because those, those kinds of books don't sell if you had a title. You, Dreamer would sell better than, I won't even say it again. But that's what we're up against right now. I'm, I, I'm joking about it, but get ready. Get ready. The truth makes the devil angry. And Elijah, the truth, you can't, these gods, these uh, Baal worshipers, Jezebel, I'm going to kill them by this time tomorrow. That's what we're up against. Listen, don't underestimate the devil's rage or his in intent. All right? I'm not telling you to be fearful of him, but I'm just telling you this is what's going on. He hates authority. He hates truth when you speak truth. And he, number three, the third thing he hates is faith. The devil hates faith. And I'm talking today about how we live our lives, the dreams that we have, the callings, the gifts, the promises. There's a whole backlog of things that are in each of us. I talked earlier about being under, under construction. We're all under construction, every single one of us. We're in this process where we're being built into, like Abraham, a a mighty nation. Every single person in here is under. It's a holy thing, like I said earlier. It's an amazing thing what God's doing in your life right now. He's building this freedom tower <laughs> that right in front of the person next to you, they look over and God's building this. It took 11 years to build that, the freedom tower. And $3.9 billion it costs, I said. And it's cost God his son to build what he's doing in your life and in my life. But we build through faith, through our dreams that are given to us, callings that are given to us. It says in, in Proverbs that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of a king to search it out. And that's what we're doing. It's like our life is a, it's like a lifelong scavenger hunt. We're always looking, we're always reaching, we're always seeking for what God has for us for us next. I, kn I know when I first got saved, God put things in my heart right off the bat, 1983. I got saved and met Dale and Sue, and my whole life changed. It was, we had great times, didn't we, Susie? There's more to come. You know, um, God spoke to me, you're going to do in my heart kind of blurry, fuzzy things that are like, this is what I'm called to do. And then the prophets, the prophets, I, and this church probably over there started. And the prophets came, Joe Rowe, and they started prophesying the same things that were in my heart. And I'm like, yeah, yes, this is it. And it cemented it in. 
and um, I knew that was my path, my dreams, my callings. And this is, this is how the Christian life works. It's exactly how the, uh, we, God gives us dreams and callings. And I'll read, I'll read what I wrote. I don't know if he could get it up here, but it says, God, this is First Bruce 1.1. 1, 1. We can't do that, can I, Justin? All right. God makes promises, gives gifts and callings and dreams, and takes great delight in bringing it to pass through our growing ability to believe. Amen? You know, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And we're in this process, this building construction process that God's bringing us through. And the devil's sitting there and we'll see what becomes of his dreams. We'll see what becomes of Ellen's dreams. And But God is doing a mighty work and there's nothing that can stop it. Because he's God. We serve a great God. Amen? So we are to live our life by faith. And it's a glorious thing. It's that tweaking that we're talking about this morning. So we surrender and give it back up and stop carrying it. Stop doing it on our own. Galatians 1 says, you started in the spirit, don't be foolish and try to go back to the flesh and do it that way. We do it in the spirit. We do, we make our victories. This is how we overcome, right? Amen. So God is doing these things in our life that are so great through our ability to believe him, believe in him. Faith is a wonderful thing. I don't know if you're ready for this. I know most of you are sitting down, but. I believe that God himself lives by faith. Withdrawn. I'll pull it back because I'm right on the edge. I know I am. And if you watch Law and Order, they say something that they want to say and they withdrawn. You know what? Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. Now, you can read that different ways. You can read the way I've always read it. By faith, we understand. Or you can read it, by faith, we understand that God did this. And, you know, let's not be so... Faith is, a, is the most powerful force I know, right? It can move mountains. It can move mountains. I don't know of anything else... And to, to think that God would live himself by faith sometimes is like, whoa, he doesn't need to do that. He knows the end from the beginning. And he does. But he knows it by faith. It hasn't happened yet. But Jesus died on a cross after three and a half years with 12 guys. And at the end of it, when he went to when he died, ultimately died, all 12 had scattered, had scattered. And it's like, oh, failure. No, no, no. There's a lot of things that have scattered in our lives that have fallen away, that have, but God has a plan and we need to believe it. We need to know that faith is the most powerful force there is when we, when we have faith in him. Amen. So I'm saying today, again, 
authority, the devil hates. Truth, the devil hates. And he hates your faith. He's, he wants to kill us. He wants to destroy us. The devil comes to kill and destroy, right? John 10, 10, 10, 9 and 10. I'm saying get your faith up. Let yourself be tweaked today so that um, we're not bearing the burdens, but we're surrendering and just letting God carry it. Get your faith up. Joel Osteen says, stay in faith. I love that. Stay in faith. Because I'm telling you, you know, I have to live this stuff out the, the prior week usually. And I realize that sometimes 98% of the time, I'm all worried. I have full of doubt, fear, figuring things out. You know, God doesn't work by math. It's not mathematical. You can't figure out, say, I'm going to give, I'm going to get 30, 60, 100 fold or whatever. Forget the, the calculations. God's above all that. But 98% of the time, I'm all upset about things. And I'm like, Elaine, I'm going to stop it. Stop being all wound up and bound up in things that are totally out of my control anyways. You know, you can't add one cubit to your stature by we're, we're worrying that's what the Bible says. And God wants us to just surrender and get in faith. Get your faith up. Don't get your hope up. Yes, get your hope up. Get your faith up too. Believe. Our work is to believe. John 6, 29. What's the work of God? To believe. This is the power. There was a time in my life where I would get the flu, severe flu, Every year and a half. Every year and a half. And it was like clockwork. It was amazing. It went on for a number of, a lot of years. And, and I remember one point, I was listening to that Kenneth Copeland. And everybody, I, I don't even, anyways, I was, I went through and I started getting sick. It was a year and a half. And it was getting bad. And I, I went up into my bedroom and I just started rebuking it and praying, and it hurt. I was the last thing I wanted to do. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith, right? That's our battle. That's our battleground. And I fight that thing. I bind you, you sickness. Get out of me. I don't remember. An hour, a full hour. And didn't I walk out of that room totally healed an hour later? And it never came back. A year and a half, every year and a half, and it cut, broke the cycle. And this is what I, this is why I'm here this morning. This is why I'm part of this body. This is the kingdom of God. It's not of word only, but of power, of power. And you got that power in you. I listened to James Ford the other night. Listen to different podcasts. Uh, Justin gives me podcasts. Listen to this. And I, I got them all lined up. I listened to James, and he had an autistic son, and son would take a bath, and Make a mess, you know. And he, he had this little rubber ducky, and he'd try to push that rubber ducky down, push him down, make it pop back up. Push him down, wouldn't, wouldn't stay down. Dad, why won't my rubber ducky stay down? Push him down. I said, I don't know, why, why not? His dad said, he says, well, I think there's something inside of it that always makes it go up, always brings it up. And that's what's happening in you and me. You've, you know what I'm talking about. You understand this. You've had times where you're like, that's it. I ain't going any farther. But there's something inside of you that 
pushes you right back up to the top again. You're ruined. You're ruined. Every single one of us here, John, um, Peter, John 6, 6 and 6. Are you going to leave too, Jesus says to him? Peter says, where else am I going to go? Now that I've seen this, you're the ones with the words of eternal life. There's no plan B, is there? We've got to make it work, and we make it work by faith, by casting off, by surrendering, by trusting and believing God. So many of you, have, like Joseph, have dreams, giftings, and callings. Many of you desire to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Cast out demons, right? Cast out demons. Demons of anger and fear and pain and torment in people. You know, everybody, I got a doctor too. I'm going to the doctor in middle of August. And uh, I'm not against doctors, but in our culture, there are, there are cultures, current day high priests. They really kind of are. Everybody's just, oh my doctor, you know. And again, I'm not. I'm going to the doctor, so I'm not putting them down or anything. But come on, guys. We know where our help comes from, right? The Bible says it, and so we trust God. We're gonna. Um, any one of you, able, you can do it. Walk up to somebody and say, lay their hands on them, cast that demon out, In Jesus' name. You do more than a doctor can do in his whole life with just one touch. Amen? For some of you, your dream, your desire is to see your family members worshiping God and serving God. And I love that. I love that. He, God gives us the position, the ability to see something that we can't see. I teach tennis. And I can picture any one of you, I close my eyes, and I can picture any one of you hitting a forehand just like Roger Federer. I can see it. I, I'm doing it right now. Sherry, I can see you. I can see her hit the forehand like Serena Williams. I can see it. I can see that in my mind, even though kind of probably a long ways away from that. Right, Sherry? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you're closer than I think, but... Um, we're singing the song, the last song, I'm crying, and I just picture, <laughs> I picture my brothers, 40 years I've been praying for them, sitting right up, I pet, I see them, their hands in the air. You got loved ones like this? Don't picture them where they are. Look at it. S close your eyes. Picture them with their hands up, worshiping the Lord, singing with all their might. See it. See it. And start believing that way. This is how it works. This is how it works. The things that God has put in your heart. Um, Gabe, if you want to come. 1 Timothy 4.15 talks about the laying on of hands. And I'm so glad I'm part of this church. Right from the start, the prophets came. It says, the gifts that are given you, give yourself entirely entirely to them. Meditate on them. You know what it means to meditate? You know what meditation is? I'll make it real simple. 15-year-old boy 
gets on a motorcycle, drives a motorcycle for one day, what do you think he's meditating on the rest of the week? All excited about that, the next ride, you know? And God wants you and me to be all excited. Give ourselves entirely, wholly, the King James says, New King James says entirely. Give yourself entirely to what the dreams that God has for you. Speak the truth. Stay under authority. Stay under authority. And let God bring things to pass. As we grow in our faith, as we let God adjust the, our lives our, as robots, the Holy Spirit's just tweaking and doing great things every week to bring it all to pass. My favorite verse. Who's got a favorite verse? Yeah. It changes here and there, but my, my, my most recent favorite verse, Proverbs 15, 15, and I sort of memorized, I probably won't get it right, but um, it says, he that has, um, tor he that is um, afflicted, all of his days are evil. But he that is of a merry spirit has a continual feast. Anybody live in that realm? Continue? I know some people, some Christians. I know people that are afflicted. And it says, all their days are evil. But he that is of a merry heart, a merry spirit, is living in a continual feast. That's what God wants for you and I. That continual, I'm grabbing onto. I believe this. I see my family members worship. They're worshipers. I see it. That's what God wants for you and me, to trust him, to believe him. Be tweaked this morning, amen? Let God do what he's finished, what he's started. And I know you will because you're going to pop back up just like that little rubber ducky every single time. Amen. Bruce, could you, could you pray for us in that, with that, that Proverbs 15, 15? I just looked it up. And, Did I get it right? Uh, no, well, I have, a different, I have a different translation. You got it right. Find a different translation, but... Fact check. I, <laughs> I, I think we all need more of that, to, to, to see life as a continuous feast. And it does take perspective. Yeah. It does take alignment. It does take faith and truth and authority. And I want to just pray for, pray for all of us just to, to lean more into that so that we can all experience in spite of the challenges, in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the pain that's all around, we can still experience a continuous feast. Father, we just come before you this morning again and ask, Lord God, for the table. You said you prepare a table right in front of us in the presence of our enemies, Father. We just, I just see a table in front of every single person here. And that, Lord, I would pray that we would feast and live at that table. We wouldn't depart, but we'd stay right close to you, Father, in a continual feast, Lord God. I, we just break the power of the devil, the tormentor over. I know there's people here today that just are afflicted, and we break that spirit of affliction 
In Jesus' name, we pray that this would be a day of transitioning, a day of tweaking for every single Christian in here. And Father, we would be partakers of the feast, of the goodness, of the love, and the mercy of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's thank Bruce again. Just uh, invite you just to stand with me. I, I so appreciate this message and these these three things, authority, truth, and faith. And we need all three because if we only have one or we overemphasize one, then, then it can get off. If you, if you overemphasize faith but isn't your faith isn't based on truth, then your faith might be misguided. And if you overemphasize truth but you don't have faith that goes with it and you aren't under authority, then you can, you can hammer people in inappropriate ways with, with truth. And if you exercise authority, but don't do that in line with truth and faith, then it can be very destructive as well. But when we have all three lined up together, and the others, and Bruce said, these are just the three that he pulled out. There's so many more truths and so many more things in the scriptures. But when we're in alignment, that's when we can experience that continuous peace. I, I like I like that idea. You said a couple times of just being tweaked, and how we we can come in here this morning and, and God can adjust. And you know we all come in with different challenges and different struggles and different prayers and different needs, but the Holy Spirit tweaks us where we're at to align us and to bring us to more, to bring us to greater healing and hope and, and peace and joy. God, I just thank you for what you're doing in each of us. God, how there, there's not, no one of us understands what we're all going through, but Jesus, you do. God, you understand what each and every person that's in here right now, each and every person that's listening online, every, anybody that's going to listen to this in the future, God, you know where we need to be tweaked, where we need to be adjusted, where we need to be shaped so that we can experience that continuous peace, so that we can bring life and hope and peace and joy to everyone around us every home represented here. God, we thank you for what you're doing. We give you this day. We give you this week. God, we long for your name to be lifted high over every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Have a great week. Hug one another. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.